0: How do we know what God says unless we know what God says? Now, I thank God that that you all trust me and that you believe. But folks, I'm not God. All I do is speak God's Word and bring God's Word and share God's Word.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win Podcast with Pastor and Teacher Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation, visit us online at vlccaz.org. That's V-L-C-C-A-Z dot org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Tim Masters.
0: Oh, it is good to be in God's house. You know, David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. You know, there was a time, and it's not been that many years ago, to where Sunday was really looked upon as the day of the Lord, and there was nothing else. You did it on Sunday. You went to church. Whether you you uh, thought about uh, necessarily your your eternal life, it was just one of those things. that was just understood. You went to church. But then as the enemy works, the devil works, Satan works, he brought a convoluted mess to where Sunday just became another day of the week. Well, folks, it never has been just another day of the week. And I, I would encourage you that you would take and say, set a time apart this week and say, God, I want to see my life completely transformed. And I want to put you first in my life. And one of those things that I think is awesome is putting him first on the first day of every week. By setting aside Sunday morning. Now I know sometimes people say, well, Pastor, I work and and Sunday is my only day. Well, folks, just give God a couple hours on Sunday. You say, well, then I have to go home and get changed. Come in your work clothes. Just have clothes on. That's all I care about. Okay? You say, well, my work clothes are all greasy, grimy, and that's, that's fine, folks. We can clean chairs. Mm-hmm. But put God first. And I can promise you. I can promise. Matter of fact, let me say this. I can guarantee your week will go better mm-hmm. if you put God first. Amen? I want to do something this morning as we prepare to get into God's Word. I asked the worship team this morning, I was praying, and we have been doing a series on the grace and goodness of God. And I, I, I asked the team if they would add that old song, Amazing Grace. Because I, I don't know about your life, but I do know about my life. I desperately need God's grace and goodness. I desperately need God's grace and goodness. And even if you're watching us online, you desperately need God's grace and goodness. You cannot, the Bible teaches, even make it through life without it. You can't. The Bible says that there's nothing that we can do without God. Now understand, folks, I've done lots of things without God. But literally what the passage is saying is you can do nothing that will make a difference in your life or eternity without Christ. That's why it's so imperative that we put God first in all areas. To see God do things. And did you know That His goodness is what gave us His grace. His goodness is what gave us His grace. Say, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, the one passage that you see in stadiums all over the world, it doesn't matter what sports event it is, you'll see somebody holding up a sign. Maybe the cameras don't go to it as much as they used to, but you can't miss it. It doesn't matter where you're at, but they'll say somebody will have up there John 3, 16. And if you know the passage, would you say it out loud with me? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would have everlasting life and not perish. That's God's goodness. That's God's goodness. And in the book of Romans chapter 1, it says, Because of God's goodness... He gave us grace. His righteousness came into this world through His Son, Jesus, to make a way where there was no way. I don't know what that does for you, but that excites the dickens out of me. I I need God's grace, and I'm so grateful for His goodness. But this old song probably says it better than anything. God never surprises me. He always amazes me. And the first thing is that He even loves me. That amazes me. Well, He could have just started all over. Could you imagine the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, Father, not my will be done, but thy will be done? Could you imagine if the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus would have said, Dad, I'm done. Let's start over. How many are glad He didn't say that? His grace. And goodness is why. Would you sing it with me? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved the wretch. I was blind, but by His grace and goodness, I see, and my chains are now gone. My chains are gone, I have been set free, I've got my faith. into perspective as Jesus came in to take the badness and exchange it for goodness. And these words were said, The Lord has promised good to me. And it's His Word that secures that goodness in my life. He's my shield, my buckler, my fortress, my host, my portion. As long as this life endures. And because of that, this is the truth. My chains are gone. I want you to listen to me just for a moment before we sing this last verse. As the music plays, listen to me. We live in a fallen world. And folks, I wish I could tell you that by giving your life to Christ that all your problems would go away. But they don't. Because we live in a fallen world. I've had people tell me over the years, Pastor, you don't have to be a, to go to church to be a tr- a Christian. And I very plainly respond, well, you're correct. You don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But then I add this note if you don't go to church, you won't stay a Christian. Now, people say, Well, that's not true. I, I've been a Christian a long time. Well, you might have been your form of a Christian. But a Bible Christian is a little different. Now, don't get don't get upset at me don't start throwing stones yet ushers watch out for stones even if they're in the shape of tomatoes now listen to me I want to take you back 6,000 years if you don't believe what I'm saying is true this is why Hebrews 10 says do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some already will. back when Jesus walked the earth people were already starting to stop going to church even though the church just began. Now listen to me. Especially as you see that day approaching. What day? The day of the Lord's return. Let me take you back 6,000 years. You think you can do it without church? You think you can do it without coming together, without the fellowship of the believers, without the stuff? 6,000 years ago, there was a place called the Garden of Eden. Do you know what the Garden of Eden was not? It was not a fallen world. There was no sin. There's no evil. There's nothing that had gone wrong yet. But then somebody showed up. Satan was cast out of heaven. And the Bible says he was cast to the earth. Now think about it for a second. Adam and Eve walked with God talked with God hand in hand with God they knew the goodness of God firsthand. everything was perfect they fell in a non fallen world and we think we can do it other than God's way in a fallen world Think about that just for a second. You think the enemy is not powerful? See, the enemy has no authority. That was stripped from him when he was fallen from heaven. His authority was stripped, but he has power. And the only power the enemy has, read it through Scripture, ladies and gentlemen, is deception. And that same deception works the same way it's always worked. Divide and conquer. If he can get you by yourself doing your own little thing... He'll just do the same thing he did with Eve. Did God really say? Am I making any sense this morning? That's all he'll do. You're doing your own little Christian thing? Did Is that really what the Bible... Well, I'm not sure that's what the Bible... Well, folks, it really doesn't matter what you think, whether you like what the Bible says or not. Our little girl here. I'm sorry. I get older. The older I get, the younger they get. (laughs) This woman here. I I do apologize. (laughs) This little girl here. Okay. She said, I I took this piece that I liked. I took that piece that I liked. I took that piece. But I took all the stuff I didn't like. God couldn't have said that. Did God really say? They fell in an unfallen? world. One day this world's going away. A new heaven and new earth will come forth. We don't know for sure how it's going to look but the only way we'll know how it's going to look is we've got to get there. His grace saves us. But understanding His goodness His goodness that leads to repentance keeps us. Sometimes we see the badness and we forget the goodness and so we walk away. Do not let the grace of God be wasted. We're going to talk about that this morning. His grace and goodness Let's the last verse. The earth will still be song like, like snow the sun for Chains are gone. Come on. God that keeps us. Your grace that saves us. And the faith that we live in every day. In Jesus' name and all that God's people said. Let's give him one more hand clap of praise. Let the worship team know we appreciate him this morning. And you can be be seated. Oh, praise the Lamb of God. Once again, if you're watching us uh, online Folks, we're, we're streaming this every week now and our Sunday mornings, Wednesday nights. If you happen to miss it, you can go out to where they go out to. They go out to someplace where. Folks, I'm 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 I'm, I'm technology, technologically challenged where they go. Facebook, Facebook, go out to Facebook. You can go watch it. And uh, a lot of people do that. And and we have literally people from all over the world watching us today. And so we welcome them. We welcome you. And I want to continue this series this morning on probably the most important thing that you and I have in our life. And that is God's grace and goodness. Scripture is very clear. Scripture is very clear that we need God's word. We need God's word. Can I say that again? We need God's word. And you and I, you know, you you come to church, and I have been a huge proponent of of reading the Bible. I've been a huge proponent of people getting into God's word more than just on Sunday. Because, folks, it doesn't do enough on Sunday. Open your Bible and read it. Get it into your life. How do we know what God says unless we know what God says? Now, I thank God that that you all trust me and that you believe. But folks, I'm not God. All I do is speak God's word and bring God's word and share God's word. But it's God and it's His word that's going to change your life, not coming to church. Yes, you need to. But the reality, folks, I say this all the time and probably gets redundant to some of you. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a Big Mac. It doesn't do it. You can sit in a garage your entire life and still not become a Cadillac. It's not going to happen. You've got to apply God's Word to your life. You've got to dedicate your life. And you know what the Scripture is very clear about? At salvation, you now belong to God. At salvation, not some later time, not some previous time, not some if you're good enough to measure up time. When you ask Jesus to come into your heart, you are now a child of God. I got one person excited enough to shout amen. Now you're a child of God. Can somebody get excited in the house? But then the Scripture goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that you are not your own. You are bought with a price. So when we become a child of God, now God expects us to live like a child of God, which is what the word Christian means. And look what the Scripture tells us in John chapter 10. My sheep listen to my voice. A lot of people say, well, Pastor, I don't hear from God. No, let me rephrase it. You don't listen to God. God's speaking all the time, but we got other voices speaking. And we got to choose who we're going to listen to or not. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, that they will never perish. And then he says, and no one can snatch them away from me. For my Father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone. Once you give your life to Christ, you don't have to fear of somebody just randomly doing something, or somehow or another that you that you uh, 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 accidentally turn away. You can turn away, and that's a whole nother sermon. But God said, I'm going to hold you tight. See, my grace is going to save you, but my goodness is going to keep you, and my goodness is what causes you to repent, and it's always going to be drawing you to stay close to me. Am I making any sense today? 2 Timothy 1, verses 10 and 11. And God. Chose me to be a preacher, and I've been talking to God about that ever since. <laughs> Praise the Lamb of God. I, I still believe that God held, the, he hid that James, uh, or, or Peter passage from me where he says, I'm going to be given uh, more responsibility and held to a higher accountability. He hid that from me when I first accepted <laughs> the call. God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, a teacher of What? This good news. When you delve into the original language, you know the word gospel means good news, but it actually means much more. It means the great declaration. Folks, I, I don't I don't see the angels on that hillside outside of Bethlehem the, the day that Jesus was born. I don't see them saying, Hey guys, got some good news for you. No, the Bible says the hillside was filled with angels and the shepherds were set back. Why? They were making a declaration in the city of David is born, Christ the King. Things are changing. There was a great declaration. And then Paul said, and it's because of that good news that I'm suffering. As I shared a few moments ago, I'd love to tell you when you give your life to Christ, all the problems are gone. But there's a real devil in this world. Once again, ladies and gentlemen, in a non-fallen world, Satan deceived Adam and Eve. How much more will he be able to in a fallen world? That's why it's imperative to get into God's Word, to read God's Word, to pray God's Word, to study God's Word, to consume God's Word. Matter of fact, the Bible says you'll never overcome unless you apply God's word to your life. Am I making any sense? Paul said, even though I'm in prison, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed things aren't going the way I'd like them to go. Because I know who I trust. How many ever had something not turn out the way you want it to turn out? Does that change my trust? Does that change my belief? Does that change my stand? No, I know whom. And look what this is. He says he's able to guard me ev- with everything that I've entrusted to him until the day of his return. That's why he said, keep yourself in the word. Keep yourself in the body of Christ. Keep yourself committed. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if we belong to God, it is he, it is he It is he, say that with me, it is he, come on, say it again, it is he, it is he what? Who enables us to live the life he called us to live, and without him we can do nothing. Now, y'all be careful, I might get excited this morning. Now, I want you to do a couple things. In your notes, I want you to underline these next two phrases. Second Corinthians chapter 1. Verses 21 and 22. Underline the words, it is God who enables us. Underline those words in your notes. Pastor, why do you want us to underline those words in our notes? Because I want you to know it's not you, it's him. It's not me, it's him. It's not something you of yourself can do, it's him. It is God who enables us. Enables us to do what? Underline this next phrase, to stand firm for Christ. You can't do it without him. When you try to, you will turn every way but to God. It is he, God, who enables us to stand firm in Christ. Why? Because he has commissioned us and he has identified us as his own. And what did he do to confirm that? He placed the Holy Spirit in our hearts. The guarantee... Of all that he has promised. He placed the Holy Spirit in our hearts, the guarantee of all that He is promised. We we use a term today, and in some of the other translation, it's that phrase will say the earnest of our inheritance. When we buy something, we give an earnest deposit. Generally, that earnest deposit is non refundable. If you back out, they keep it. Well, when the word of God tells us that God gave us as an earnest deposit, the Holy Spirit, he said, I'm going to make sure you have everything capable of making it through this life, living in this life, and overcoming everything of life. I'm trying to, hence, this. This is good preaching. I am glad I came today. Oh, man, we just started. I love that guy. I need to put him up on the platform. We're going to put a chair up here for you, Hensley. You say, Pastor, is it good for people to talk in church? Folks, we're not a dead place. We're a live place. And if you ain't talking, we're going to be resurrecting the dead pretty soon. I remember a true story where this, this, uh, they, they, they were in this great big old church and, and somebody died in church. They died in church. I hope the preacher didn't kill them you know, by his preaching or anything like that. But they died in church. You know when the paramedics arrived, it took them an hour to find out which one was dead? we don't have that problem here, do we church? Okay. So is it okay to shout and holler and preach back and talk back? Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Oh, isn't God good. Can somebody say amen? God's goodness and grace keeps us. Now I have three different analogies that I'm going to use today, just really quick and, and very succinctly. God keeps us just like He keeps his bride. Like a groom keeps his bride. My wife, the lady, this beautiful woman sitting on the front row that has this glorious aura about her. It may be only in my eyes, but she radiates. You know what? There ain't no man or devil in hell that will ever hurt that woman as long as I'm around. She is in my protection. She is in my covering. She is in, uh, in everything that I can do to watch out for her. Wives, don't elbow your husbands right now. Yes, they will do the same thing, and they need to do the same thing. Some of the wives are going, oh, you're like that all the time, honey. Yeah, we'll pray for liars later, but yeah. anyway. <clears throat> what a morning, what a morning. But there's nothing I would not do to give her everything in my ability to to give and do for her. Well, folks, God is limitless in his ability. How much more does he want to do for his bride? I read a story one time about an elder gentleman that was known for his godly life, and he was once asked, what do you do when you're tempted? What do you do when the enemy comes in? He said, oh, that's a simple way to respond. I just look up to heaven and say, Lord, your property's in danger. And you know what God does? He immediately shows up and says, by who? And then you look around and say, God, the devil is trying to get this to happen and that is heaven. And God says, don't worry. I got your back, I got your front, I got your sides, I got your top, I got your bottom. Come on, devil, you want to fall down? I'm ready. And you see, God has no limits. God is not disabled. God is not unable to do anything. He is able to do everything. Can somebody say amen? And you and I are His bride, His sheep, His children. And when the devil looks at you, the first thing he sees is that ID tag, property of the Lord Most High. And he has to respect it. You see, God's grace saves us, but God's goodness keeps us. Last week, we, we talked about Paul. And how Paul was on a ship. And, and the ship was going to go down. It was being just ravaged by the storm. And the Bible says that an angel of the Lord showed up. We read it in Acts chapter 27, verse 23. An angel of the Lord, and listen with us, to whom I belong, stood beside me. Can I tell you, when the devil shows up, He's cowering around you when you are living for God, when you are standing in God. You know why? The devil might be six foot tall, but God's got some 20-foot angels standing around you saying, You want to rumble? I'm ready. And greater is he is in me than he is in the world. Can somebody say amen? See, Paul knew who he belonged to. And can I tell you something? Now, say that with me, Now. Now say it like you mean it. Now we belong to God. Not tomorrow, not some other day. Folks, He is our groom. We are His bride. And He will not let us face what He cannot fix. Articulate that with me. Now we're God's kids.
1: Now! I'm
0: going to make a statement that might be contrary to some of y'all. Might be unusual to some of y'all. But married people have issues. We have an incredible counseling team for marriages. They are on call 24-7. And if you want their number, just ask. And no, my number's not included. <laughs> Married folks have issues. Okay, okay. At one time or another, not often. But you know what? In their love... They know that there's nothing that can't be resolved. They know there's nothing that can't be mended. They know there's nothing that can't be fixed. The song of Solomon Solomon wrote there and said, My beloved is mine and I am his. Folks, we must know to whom we belong. We must rest in that goodness of God. God, stuff's happening. And God says, I know but I got you. I got you. And nobody can tear you out of, nothing can tear you. No thing can tear you. No one can tear you out of my hand. Over and over in scripture, we're given the analogy of being the bride to a husband to whom is deeply in love one with the other. And this is what needs to remind us, ladies and gentlemen, of our affection and our love towards God and His love towards us. It is God's grace and God's goodness with our faith that keeps us in that relationship. You say, Pastor, why our faith? Because, ladies and gentlemen, that's what keeps us running back to God. When troubles are stepping in, God says it's time for you to step out. And when you step out in faith, God always steps in in fact. It's God's grace and goodness. Through our faith that keeps us in this relationship. It's our faith that taps into that grace. That taps into the goodness of God. Which gives us the ability to be His bride. That's why Hebrews chapter 10 verse 23 says, Hold fast to the profession that you state. Hebrews twelve twenty eight says, Let us by grace, let us have grace. Grace by which we may serve God more acceptably. Once we are in this relationship, and I want you to hear this once we are in this relationship with God, He wants us to live like we're in this relationship with God. Now, don't listen to me, please, please. Could you imagine how much love my wife would think if I only came home once in a while? And I'm going to say this very plainly. Most Christians, the only God they get is Sunday morning. If that, and it might be a once a month Sunday morning. Now ask yourself the question what if you showed up at your spouse's house once a month, once a week? How much love do you think will be conveyed there? I've asked people for years, why do we expect God to come to our house when we won't go to His? See, we look at God's Word, and God said, I have goodness to lavish you with. I have everything and eternity to give to you. But I can't give it to you if you're not coming to receive it. Now don't get quiet on me. I shared this passage a little while ago, and I want to embark upon it for a moment. Second Corinthians six one. I'm reading out of the the Good News translation. It says, "We beg you, who have received God's grace, not to let it be wasted." The King James, the Old English, says, "Don't receive the grace of God in vain. Don't let it be wasted." All that goodness that God gives for you and I and all that grace that he has set aside for you and I to be able to live through victorious in this Christian life. Most of us in that word wasted, that word in vain means empty. It means unused. It means making no effect in life. Why is it that we struggle some of the things that we struggle with when God said, my grace and my goodness is there all the time? Why do we still struggle? Because we're turning everywhere but to God's grace and God's goodness. God said, I planted it in your heart. I put the Holy Spirit in your heart. Why are you not reaching up instead of reaching out? Folks, I understood a long time ago the outlook is sometimes bad. But the up looks never bad. I shared a story that's going to be on the radio program next week. Uh, John Wesley was was running, uh, uh, not running. He was uh, traveling through this this area, talking to this this uh, gentleman who was just the epitome of worry and burdensome and and, and frustration and stuff. And 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 the man uh, told uh, Pastor Wesley said, Pastor. I don't know what I'm going to do with all this worry and all this frustration and all this anxiety and and all this stuff that's not going the way that I think. What am I going to do with all this? And all of a sudden, John Wesley looked out across the field and he saw a cow. And that cow had its head resting on top of the stone fence. Stone fences run the European countryside. And John Wesley looked at that cow and looked at his friend. And he said, I want you to look at that cow over there. Do you know where that cow has her head resting on the fence? And the man thought he was going to get some kind of great revelation from John Wesley. And the man said, Pastor, no, I don't. And he said, it's because the cow can't see through the fence. So he has to lift his head up above the fence. And then he said, that's you and your problems. If you take your eyes off your problems and lift them up, you'll be able to see everything God has still promised. Why are you looking at your problems? Well, pastor, they're there. Yeah, and they'll be there tonight. They'll be there tomorrow. They'll be here the next day. Now, let me give you some words of encouragement. They'll be there the day after also. But you know what? God is bigger. God is greater. And his goodness says, my goodness is bigger than that badness. So guess what? Turn to me and I'll take care of this stuff. You know, the Bible tells me in Matthew 28, all power in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. All power in heaven and earth has been given to Christ. You got some keys, Scott. Who's got some keys? Somebody give me a wad of keys. That's not a very big wad. That's not a very big wad. anybody got a big wad of keys? There's a big wad of keys. Thank you, Dale. Throw them over here. Thank you, Clint. All power in heaven and earth has been given to me. In another place, he said, I got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he said, Michael, I'm giving them to you. You're driving. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with them, Michael? He said, I'm giving them to you, Tina. What are you going to do with them? God, you see, God said the devil's not in charge. And Sarah, it doesn't matter. Jesus said, I got the keys. And I'm going to give them to you. What are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with it? Oh, I got some nice keys. Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, God, I got some problems. God, I got stuff going on. And God said, I died and I gave you the keys. What are you going to do with them, Danny? Danny? God said, I put you in the driver's seat. What are you going to do with them? The devil doesn't have the authority. Some of you are sitting back saying, no, not to me. I can't catch him. (laughs) What are you going to do? All power in heaven and in earth have been given to me. Come on up here and get these, Or I'm going to throw them at somebody and they're going to miss them. And you know what he said? He said, now go. Go and bring that gospel to all the world. You got the keys, Clint. You see, folks, that cow set its head above the problems. Can't you and I? Don't waste the grace of God. Acts 4.33 says, With great power the apostles gave witness of the resurrection because God's great grace was upon all of them. All it takes for someone to do what God has called them to do is for somebody to believe that God's goodness and grace is operating in their life. In Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace, performed great miracles. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for the bride of Christ to begin to act like the bride of Christ. Like he is my covering. He is my help. He is my present help in time of trouble. The second thing that I want to, analogy that I want to give us is that God's goodness and grace keeps us like a shepherd keeps his sheep now i know we love the fact that god calls us his sheep but i'm not sure that that's a proud moment have you ever studied sheep sheep are basically defenseless vulnerable dim-witted animals and god calls us his sheep (laughs) think about that for a second Sheep will get themselves into trouble on purpose. Oh, that doesn't apply here. I know nobody here. We got trouble staring us right in the face. Oh, pastor, don't worry. I'm going to go jump in, but I'm going to be okay. How's that working out for you? There in John 10, when he says the good shepherd, he is, and we are his sheep. You know what it literally is saying? We are in his constant care and knowledge. He always knows where we are. He always knows where we've been. And if we'll let him, he'll always get us where we are going. That's why the Bible says the good shepherd leads his sheep. He doesn't follow his sheep. He doesn't beat his sheep. You say, well, pastor, how does a sheep know where he's going? Because the sheep are watching and listening to where the shepherd is leading. God's grace, God's goodness. Always remember, folks, that God is able to keep them who are His. No matter what. God is able to keep He is able to take you from where you are and get you through where you're at and accomplish getting you where you're going. God's grace and goodness is always able. If we will let Jesus lead, he'll always keep us. He'll he'll do whatever it takes to get you out of that mess. You say, Pastor, I'm in a good mess. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the devil, no, no, don't give credit to the devil for your mess. You did it all by yourself. Oh, you mean I'm the blame for your mess? Look at somebody and say, that's exactly what he's saying. We want to blame the devil, folks. It's amazing how we blame the devil for the problems, but, but won't give God the credit for the good. We do a good enough job getting ourselves into problems. The devil didn't have to do it. Now, folks, Now, you say, well, uh, I just don't agree with that. Okay, let me take you back 6,000 years to a garden called Eden. No problems, no struggles, no difficulties, no sin. All the devil did was dangle the fruit. Who reached out and grabbed it? Where are the ushers when I need them? (laughs) Correctly said, yes. But you know who God went after? The man. Why? Because we have a responsibility, gentlemen. Now, folks, I've shared this a thousand times, and I'll share it a million more times. We are not a politically correct church. If you're looking for one, this is probably not the one to come to. Okay? We do believe that God has a hierarchy in place. And it's man, and the man is supposed to be the covering for the woman. doesn't put him above the woman, but it puts him more responsible to God because he's supposed to take care of her. Man. Some of you wives missed a great place to shout amen. And some of you husbands missed a place to shout oh me. <laughs> there was a pastor in a small town in, in New England kind of to drive this Uh, point home. He was in this small town and he was on his way to uh, church, uh, you know, getting prepared for Sunday. And and he came across this boy walking through the the town and and the kid was carrying a birdcage, an old birdcage. And so the pastor just walked in that Sunday morning with an old birdcage and settled up on the pulpit. Eyebrows were being raised. What in the world is this all about? And then the pastor began to speak. He said, I was walking through the town and, and this young boy come through, come by me swinging this bird cage. And I stopped the boy and asked him. I said, what do you got there, son? He said, oh, I got some old field birds they are sitting here in the bottom of this cage. And, and the pastor looked down and he saw these three little little sparrows and they were shivering and they were scared to death. They had no idea what's going on. And the little boy was asked by the pastor, well, what are you going to do there with those birds? And the boy said, I'm going to take them home. I'm having some fun with them. He said, you're going to have some fun with them. What do you mean? He said, oh, I'm going to tease them and I'm going to pull out their feathers. I'm going to make them fight. Oh, I'm going to have a fun time. Well, the pastor started thinking his his heart of compassion, how God's goodness wells up. And he said, you know, son, you're going to get tired of those birds sooner or later. What are you going to do then? He said, "I'm not going to get tired, but after I'm done, I got a cat, and he likes birds. I'm going to let him have the birds." Well, the pastor was silent for a moment, and all of a sudden, he looked at the boy and he said, "How much do you want for those birds?" And the little boy was just kind of dumbfounded. He he said, "Oh, what? You don't want those birds? They're just old field birds. They ain't pretty. They they don't sing." And the pastor interrupted him again, how much do you want for the birds? And the little boy sized the pastor up and down thinking he was crazy. And all of a sudden, he spouted the words, 10 bucks. Pastor pulled out $10 bill, handed it in a flash. The boy was gone. Now, the pastor has a birdcage and three little birds. Well, he immediately went over and found a little grassy knoll and opened the birdcage up and tapped it a little bit. the birds get out and the birds took off. And the pastor showed up that Sunday morning and told the story. But he put a different twist on it. And I want you to hear the story today. One day, Satan and Jesus were having a conversation. Satan had just come back from earth and he was gloating and he was boasting. He said, man... I just come back from this place called Eden and I just captured me a whole world full of people. I used the trap. They couldn't resist. I got them all. Well, Jesus asked Satan, he said, but what are you going to do with them now? He said, Oh, I'm going to have some fun. I'm going to teach them how to marry. I'm going to teach them how to divorce. I'm going to teach them how to hate. I'm going to teach them how to abuse. I'm going to teach them how to use drugs and drink and smoke and curse. I'm going to teach them how to invent guns and bombs and kill everybody. Oh, I'm going to have a lot of fun. And Jesus asked him, said, what are you going to do when they're done? He said, oh, that's easy. I'm going to kill them all. That's your life and mine. We're in that cage. And Satan's just walking around with it. And every time he wants to shake you up, he just snarls or he pokes or he he prods or he does something. Well, Jesus said, how much do you want for him? Satan said, uh, you don't want these people. They're no good. They, they, they'll, just, they'll just take everything you do for them. Your grace and goodness. They'll, they'll just take all of it and they'll hate you anyway. They'll spit on you. They'll curse you. And I'll tell you what, they'll even kill you. You don't want these people. Hearing everything that he heard and knowing everything he knew, Jesus stood up once more and said, How much? The devil sized him up and down and said, okay. I want it all. I want your tears. I want your pain. I want your blood. I want your life. Without even thinking about it, Jesus said, done. God's goodness gave us God's grace. You know, the Bible says, How much more are you worth than three little sparrows? How much more? See, the last analogy I want to give you quickly this morning is God's grace and goodness keeps us like a shepherd keeps his sheep, like a groom keeps his bride but he also keeps us like a father, keeps his children. In Romans chapter 8, and please listen as I bring this to a conclusion this morning. You have not received the spirit of bondage to where you have to live in fear. You didn't. In God's goodness, He's always drawing. And when there's bad out there, His goodness is drawing. And saying, come on, you don't have to go that way. You don't have to do that thing. You don't have to be in that place. His goodness saying, I'm going to make a way for you to stop. I'm going to make a way for you to repent. I'm going to make a way for you to change. And I'm going to give it to you. And it's called my grace. I'm going to give you the power, the ability to say no. Just like a daddy, when he's raising his kids, he does everything in his power to hope the kids will not learn the hard way like most of us dads and moms have done. But when we stop and think about it, our parents did the same thing. But no, we got to do it our way. Okay, God said, that's fine. But your way is going to hurt more than my way. You don't have to live in fear anymore. I've given you the spirit of adoption, that earnest of your inheritance. And you can call me daddy, Abba, father. I've made a way. Ladies and gentlemen, stuff isn't going to go the way you want it to go all the time. It may go that way less of time than it does most of the time. But we live in a fallen world. And God said, if you'll just run back to me, I'll run back to you. And it doesn't work a different way, folks. He is the prodigal father. Watching, waiting, praying. But the minute you come running to him... Just like that dad, he saw that boy from a distance and that boy was, I don't know what he recognized the the, the shape, the limp, I don't know what but just as soon as he saw him afar off the Bible says that that dad jumped off that porch and ran to his son and he said my boy that was lost is now found my son that was blind he now sees he was dead but I've resurrected him in my power you see, God always tells us I will be like a father to you. I will be daddy to you. Ladies and gentlemen, the father tenderly and lovingly provides his protection, his grace, his goodness for and over every one of us. In Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22, it says, because the Lord's great love, it's because of that that we're not consumed. His compassions, they fail not. But every morning they are brand new. And how great is His faithfulness. Amen. I look at the church. Over all the years of pastoring, and I've watched the church change. And sadly, not for the good. But whenever I get discouraged about the future of the church and her people, all I have to remember it's God's grace and goodness. And that Christianity is a work of love, not a love of works. A living, breathing organism that's espoused by God. And in this, there's always hope for the Christian. Do we fail to remember that the Christian today was the pagan yesterday? God is working out what he's working in. Remember Saul of Tarsus? When Philip was leading the eunuch to Christ, Paul was killing Christians. But then he became Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. Saul of Tarsus. The word Saul means great and mighty. Became Paul to the Gentiles, which meant small and humble. What about the modern-day people? Do you know that C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, Lee Strobel, Charles Colson, and multitudes of others were, were, des- were despots and atheists until Christ brought them to a place by showing His grace and goodness? These were all unbelievers who were touched by the power and the grace of God's goodness and now they became mighty warriors in faith. Think about it. Think about it, ladies and gentlemen. The next Ravi Zacharias might be the person driving in front of you with a Darwin fish decal on their car. The next Billy Graham might even today be a misogynist or a profanity spewing hip-hop artist right now or laying drunk in some fraternity house. The next Mother Teresa might be making posters for a gay pride parade right now or managing an abortion clinic. Ladies and gentlemen, God makes the despots of the world the disciples of God's glory and kingdom. It is God's grace and goodness that draws and changes and empowers. And in 1 Corinthians 1, he said, I chose the foolishness of man. You see, when you're born again, when you give your life to Christ, do you realize that all the power and the grace and the promise and the goodness of God comes at your disposal We must always remember no matter where we are in our Christian walk that Jesus has promised the church to be triumphant. Jesus is and was and will be the king forever. Can somebody say amen? And he will always exalt the humble and humble the exalted. He will do as he has always done, which is very simply to transform cowards, thieves, and murderers into the cornerstone of his new city, Jerusalem. Let me encourage you. Be good to the atheist in front of you. They may be your grandkids Sunday school teacher one day. Let them see the goodness and grace of God. Hebrews 12, 28 says, Let His grace by which we live acceptably abound in us. God is doing His work. It is by grace we're saved through faith. His grace saves us. His goodness saves us keeps us. Think about it. When Jesus was a child, his wisdom astounded everyone. Why was that? Well, Luke chapter 2 verse 40 says these words, and when Jesus grew, he became strong in the spirit. Remember that spirit that was given you? that spirit of grace, that earnest of our inheritance when you were born again, you and I can make a choice whether to waste the spirit of God or to grow great in the spirit of God. You see, literally, what this passage is telling us in Luke chapter 2 verse 40 is literally Jesus fully trusted the Holy Spirit's guidance while he walked this earth. And let me tell you something, that grace that Jesus fully trusted, that Holy Spirit that Jesus fully trusted is the same empowering Spirit that you and I are walking in today. That is why Jesus told us over in the book of John chapter 14, the works that I have done, you will do and greater because I go to the Father. You say, well, Pastor, how can I do anything greater than what Jesus was doing? Ladies and gentlemen, what it's literally saying is Jesus was limited to where he was walking. Now we have the power of God loosed into all the earth. When Jesus ascended, he sent the Holy Spirit to descend upon all of his people to do the work that he promised all who receive god's abundant grace in romans 5:17 are freely put in the place of ruling in this life that's god's grace and goodness what does it mean when the bible says to rule in this life you know what it means it means to rise above the norm Well, this is just life. That's right. It is just life. I'm going to break out of the status quo. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to live day by day, week by week, month by month, year by year. But I'm going to live grace by grace. What am I talking about? The fullness of God that is literally applied and supplied to my life that I can rule and reign. The Bible says I am the head and not the tail. I am the first and not the last. And I'm going to rule and reign with Christ forever and ever. That should get somebody excited in God's house. The Bible says in Daniel chapter 6 as the worship team comes that Daniel distinguished himself among the commissioners because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. Can I tell you, when you start walking by the grace and the goodness of God, people will stand up and they will take notice. There's something different about them. You know what the Bible says about a man who walked in the grace and goodness of God? His name was Caleb. You know what the Scripture says? He had a different spirit. There was something about Caleb. He understood the Lord fully, the scripture says in Numbers chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 11, that that John the Baptist was greater than anyone that ever walked the earth. But he said, Those who are the least in the kingdom will be greater than him. God's grace in God's goodness pastor I keep waiting I keep waiting I'm waiting for my ship to come in get off your stinking butt and swim out to it waiting for like you don't understand no you don't understand all the grace and goodness you ever could imagine is just waiting for you to jump in you know Psalm 11516 says the heavens belong to God but he gave earth to us his children. You say, well, yeah, well, I, I just, I I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Well, let me give you a little better picture. 1 Corinthians 1, 25 to 29. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than human strength. Think what you want, but not many wise by human standards are called. Not many influential by human standards are called. Not many of noble birth are called. Why? Because they think they got it all together. Folks, look in the mirror. I ain't one of those that got it all together. Now don't go laughing at me. You ain't either. I need Jesus. Does anybody else in this room? You know what God says in his word first corinthians chapter one he said i chose the foolish things of the world i wonder if that's why he calls us sheep i call the foolish things of the world to do what shame those who think they're wise I chose the weak things of the world to shame those that think they're strong. I chose the lowly things of the world and despised the things of the world that seem to be something but are not to nullify the things that are so that no one can boast before me. Ladies and gentlemen, 2,000 years ago on a hill called Calvary, it is declared today, it was declared then, it will be declared forever that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten son son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life look at somebody and say I'm a whosoever I'm a whosoever I'm a whosoever and in Romans 5 it says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through home through home we also have access by faith into the grace by which I stand That's all I got to say today. You want to know more? You got to read this. And I can tell you right now, it's full of God's grace and goodness. You want to know the plans that He has for you, plans to prosper you, to give you hope, and to give you an expected end. Ephesians tells us, before everything was, He laid out your life. Start walking in it. Start walking in His grace and goodness. Start walking in His grace and goodness. You know what I know? There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. Right in his grace, right in his goodness. No place. No place. How about you today? There's no place. There's no place. But where? Here in your love. listen to me me. as the music plays softly listen to me just for a moment where are you today where are you well i'm kind of living life why duh that's kind of a dumb question folks when you tell me i'm just living life that could be inside christ or outside of christ I, i live an abundant life folks no, abundance does not mean that I have everything I want or everything goes the way I'd like. But abundant life means that I know that He is my life. In everything, every way, everywhere. Where are you? Well, I'm up and down and, you know, I'm here and there. I just, that's the problem. Aren't you ready to be in His love? Aren't you ready to walk in his grace and his goodness? Aren't you ready for that? We're going to sing this song again. And Heather's going to lead us. And I'm going to minister a bit here at the altar. But I'm going to ask, are you ready to let Jesus take your life and turn it into the life he promised? Are you just good with status quo? It's always a choice. Well, pastor, but there's tomorrow. You know what the Bible says today? Focus on today. Tomorrow's got enough problems. I'll take care of it when there. But if you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, I'll take care of today and tomorrow. And, And don't worry. He's got enough ability to take care of next week, too. If you're still in the pessimistic mood, just realize all that tomorrow is is the today you worried about yesterday. So it doesn't change. It doesn't change. And we've got to make a decision. Am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust God? Am I going to trust God? If that's you today and you want to get into that abundant life, we're going to open these altars. Maybe you don't even know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Maybe you came and you were invited or or maybe you've been coming to church and and you've had the the christian ease about you. Oh, you know how to talk the talk, but walking the walk's a little different. And you say, Pastor, today, I want to get under God's grace and goodness. I want to walk walk that walk. I want to talk that talk. I want to live that life. If that's you. And you say, I'm done with what was. And I'm going to step into what yet can be. Because God is bigger than anything I've ever dealt with. I'm going to start today to be the first day of the rest of my life. If that's you, I'm going to open these altars and ask you to come. And just pray a prayer. And people will pray with you. And we'll believe God together. Let's all stand to our feet as people are coming to the altars. Lift your voices everywhere.
1: Pastor Tim Masters with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 6.30. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. I'm Joe Harding. From Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center, you're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.